the free download from Delancey Ealing Church. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. in the Delancey Ealing Church building at the Bank St. Sampson's in the Cannon Island of Dorrington. To contact us or find out more information about us, please visit our website at delanceyealing.co.uk. Pray for things, and when God answers it, you don't believe he's answered it. It's weird, isn't it? And so he was kind of struck dumb. It's interesting that when praise and faith doesn't come out of our mouth, it's almost before God has, has been dumb, when you think about it. But the moment he recognised the hand of God, the Bible says, his voice came back. Whether Elizabeth was too pleased about that, the fact was his voice came back. And so you, you find so often in the Christmas stories, the real theme of it is the mercy, the mercy of God. Because of his tender mercy. It's almost mercy is at the heart of God. His mercy, it's almost the heart of God is mercy. And so it's mentioned particularly at the birth of Jesus. It's almost that God says that, you know, throughout the, throughout the history I've been wanting to express my mercy. But my mercy is totally revealed through Jesus. Awesome. The, the, the true heart of God, the, the mercy of God, is fully manifested and fully revealed in Jesus. Isn't that awesome? This sense that God's like, I've come to truly manifest my mercy, and it's truly revealed in the birth of Jesus. So what's God delights in the sense that, that right now he can provide a means for the forgiveness of sins. The Bible says he, he, he loves to show mercy. The Bible says he extends mercy. The Bible says he delights in mercy. The Bible says he desires mercy more than sacrifice. What's the difference between mercy and grace? Have thought about that? Mercy is actually when you don't give something what they deserve. Grace is when you give someone something they don't deserve. You see the difference? You see that? Mercy is when you don't get what you do deserve. Grace is when you get something you don't deserve. So this incredible picture and story of grace. Mercy is you're condemned. You did the crime. You have to do the time. But mercy says, let it go. And every one of us is here, really, all based on mercy. To be merciful means to be full of compassion. And God is full of compassion. And the Bible says he has great mercy. Someone define mercy as mercy is the passionate love of the Father's heart meeting the desperate needs of people. Isn't that awesome? Psalm 106, verse 7, speaks of the, the multitude of mercies. Multitude of mercies. So in other words, mercy is not just forgiveness of sins. Mercy includes healing. It includes provision. It includes protection. It's called the father of mercy, it's not the father of mercy. Isn't that awesome? And you get a hold of that. But so many things are, are, are included in, in his mercy. Strength, healing, provision. Everything is obtained through 
Mercy. That's the source of everything you receive is mercy. I want you to turn me to Mark chapter 1 because when Jesus comes to earth, he comes to reveal what God was like. When Jesus came to earth, he said, this is what the Father's like. That was the ultimate purpose. Jesus came to reveal what the Father was really like. To demonstrate his nature. To demonstrate the true heart of Father. Mark chapter 1 is a, is a perfect example of Jesus coming to reveal the Father. Mark 1 verse 40. Now a leper came to him, imploring him, kneeling down. So if you're willing, you can make me clean. Isn't that interesting? Sometimes I don't think anybody has a problem with the willingness of God. Sorry, with the ability of God, that's the best word. Not one person often has the ability, has, questions the ability of God. Is that right? None of us would question the ability of God. The issue is down to his willingness. That's where we struggle. We know God's able, but is God willing? It's only when you understand mercy that you understand the willingness of God. If you don't understand mercy, you're always question and doubt his willingness. You know he's got the ability, but your heart will say, God, well, I know you can do it, but are you willing to do it? And I love what Jesus is reply right there. Look at his reply in verse four. Look what Jesus says in verse 41. Then Jesus moved, what? With compassion. And that word compassion there actually means Tender mercy. In other words, he was moved by tender mercy. And he says, because my heart is moved by compassion, because my heart is moved by tender mercy, not only am I able, but I am willing. Because my heart is full of tender mercy. That's one thing about healing. You need to see that healing is not obtained by obtaining and doing certain things. It's all ultimately a result of mercy. And I think sometimes we kind of live our lives with, with this awareness that everything, God, I get from you is down to your mercy. I don't deserve it. I can't obtain it. But I believe it's down to mercy. I think it brings us in a better position to receive from God because we understand his mercy. And out of his mercy we get a... A sense of his willingness and from that faith kind of flows into our hearts. Psalm 145 verse 9 says, His tender mercy are over all his works. If it means, if he says all his works, Henry would say today, you're part of that. Is that right? If all his works, that includes you. So his tender mercy is completely and totally all of you. God is a God of mercy. I just love that thought. You think about it. That means if mercy is in God's mind, that means he's always able to give you another chance. Ever felt in your life? If only I could start again. I have so messed up. I have made so many mistakes. I've failed in so many areas of my life family maybe, relationships, in areas of, all kinds of areas of our life, I failed so much. Because God is a God of mercy. He's always the God of the second chance. Isn't that wonderful? 
That tells me that God never gives up on me. Sometimes we feel that people may give up on us. But God never gives up on us because he's a God of total and utter mercy. And no matter how much we've failed, how much we've messed up, how much we've strayed, his tender mercy is still there and still available to us. Can you say amen? The incredible mercies of God. I'll tell you how strong mercy is. Think about this. It says his mercy endures forever. You think about that. That means it never runs out. You never come into an end of mercy because it endures forever. It never ever finishes. It never comes to an end. You can never exhaust the mercy of God because it endures forever. That's what they declared, the Old Testament saints. They declared, his mercy endures forever. And I pray this morning, that would just, that concept would just get a hold of our hearts. See, one of the things people struggle with in life, and I think it's down to a lack of understanding of mercy, is that many struggle with guilt and condemnation. It just grips their hearts, it holds their heart. And from the guilt, often people live under, under, under a cloud of shame. They feel shame in their hearts. And the shame is a result of the guilt. Because they've never really said, God, no matter how much I've failed, how much i messed up, your mercy endures forever. That means you don't have to struggle with past guilt and past failure and condemnation because his mercy endures forever. You just have to confess it. You just have to bring it to him. Pour your heart out and God will respond by releasing his mercy. His mercy endures forever. Turn me to, to Exodus chapter 5. So Exodus 25. You know what the Bible says? And I kind of love this. He delights in mercy. In other words, you know what God says to you this morning? That when you bring your, your, your failure to him and your sin to him, God says, that's awesome. I love to forgive you. I, I actually delight in forgiving. It, it blesses my heart. It's something I delight to do. is to release my mercy and express it. I just love it. Exodus 25. I just love the thought that God actually is overjoyed with mercy. He doesn't do it kind of with a heavy heart or does it with, a, with hesitation or, or does it because he's forced to do it. He absolutely delights in it. It brings joy to his heart to do it. Isn't that awesome? Exodus 25. And here we have the description of the mercy seat. Exodus 25 and and verse 17. You shall make a mercy seat of pure gold. Two and a half cubits shall be its length, and a cubit and a half its width. And you shall make the cherubim of gold of hammered. You shall work them at the two ends of the mercy seat. Make one cherub at one end, and the other cherub at the other end. You shall make the cherub of the two ends of it of one piece within the mercy seat. 
And the cherub shall stretch out their wings above the covering of the mercy seat with their wings. And they shall face one another. The faces of the cherubim shall be turned towards the mercy seat. You shall put the mercy seat at the top of the ark. And in the ark you shall put the testimony that I will give you. I just love that. Here's Moses. He's immersed in the heart of God for 40 days and 40 nights. And right there, the Lord reveals to him a pattern. All the pattern that God reveals to him, it's there to reveal what his heart is like. And the first thing he reveals for him to do is a mercy seat. The ark was that box where the testimonies were kept, the man and all that kind of stuff was put there in the ark, the box. When you get over it, above it was the mercy seat. Now, on the mercy seat was cherub, we're told, which was made of beaten gold. And right in the middle of that, the Shekinah, the glory, the manifest presence of God would come to rest. No, what do you think about it? The two cherub would, right there, they'd be facing each other. And they would be beaten gold. And right in the middle of that, the Shekinah, the glory, the presence. A picture of both mercy and presence. The presence is there because of mercy. And I was thinking about beaten gold. Sometimes... In life, we get beaten down. We get wounded. We get hurt. We get disappointed. And God says, if you would come to the mercy seat right there, where life has dented you, where life has beaten you, my presence will come, and out of my mercy, I will heal the wounded and broken heart. The things that have beat you down in life, my mercy will come. And it will bring my presence and will heal the broken parts of your life. Isn't that wonderful? Every dent. And when God speaks of, of the mercy seat, he says, that's where my manifest presence will be. Because if you read it carefully, he says, there I will meet you. I'll meet you out of mercy. Not because you've deserved it, not because you've earned it, but out of mercy, I will meet you there. Can you say amen? How many love that? I just love it. I think there's a response when we understand mercy. First response to mercy is, is I think it causes humility. When you realise that everything you've got, everything you are, and everything you achieve in life is not because of you, but because of mercy. I can, look, I can actually take that. I just think sometimes. I've probably... I, I probably failed as, as a father at times, failed as a husband at times, and yet I think amazing daughters, amazing wife. What's that through? It's through what? Mercy. And it's everything that we receive in life, every blessing, everything that we thought we did, ultimately really is down to one thing and one thing alone. It's down to mercy. What should that cause in your life? Humility. You say, God, it's not because of me. It's because of you. And that humbles me. What's the opposite, what's the opposite thing to, 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 to humility? It's pride. And the Bible says, God, he opposes the pride. He opposes the pride, 
But out of humility, he draws near to those who are humble because they recognize that everything they have is ultimately down to God and God's blessing. It's not in, because of us, it's often in spite of us. Can you say amen? It's the blessing. It's, 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 it's the very... It's, it's the very blessing of God. It, 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 it's His grace and mercy that does it. You know what real humility is, ultimately? It's coming to a place where you are totally dependent on God. That's what humility does. It makes you dependent on God. Not on your own ability, not on your own talent, not on your own gifting. It brings you to a place. Say, God, I'm totally and utterly dependent on you. I know I can't do without you. I'll never achieve what I'm called to achieve. I'll never do what I'm called to do without you. I'm totally and utterly dependent on you. And it's recognizing humility. Now, humility comes that dependence on God. You say, Amen. I think the next thing that's an awareness of, 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 of God's work in our lives, of, is, it causes praise in our hearts. When you realize it's, it's all down to God, it causes you to praise him. Have you noticed the Psalms are, are so constantly just praising God and, and worshipping him and thanking him for all, the, for all the goodness, for his mercy all the time. They're thanking God for his mercy. And you see throughout the Psalms, great is your mercy. Because out of a recognition of his mercy, a recognition that you've not deserved it or earned it, comes a sense, Lord, thank you. I appreciate your mercy. And it causes a heart of thankfulness. I often believe often people who often depressed Christians are a result of lack of recognition of mercy. If nothing else, you're saved. That's a good thing to be thankful for. Is that right? You thank you for all. You say, Lord, thank you. I have a roof over my head. Thank you, Lord. I have food on my table. Thank you. I've got clothes to wear. Amen. And out of that creates this spirit of thankfulness and rejoicing. But you've got to first of all see it's all down to mercy. I think the third thing it creates is an incredible sense of trust. David said many times, Lord, I trust in your mercy. I know everything I've got is not because of me, but I'm trusting in your mercy. See, if you don't trust in mercy, you always struggle with condemnation and guilt. But when you trust in mercy, you realise it's down to him. He's removed it and dealt with it. And out of that, he said, God, I just trust in your amazing mercy. Everything I have, everything I received is down to your mercy. And I'm going to put my faith, not in me, not in my ability, not in my talent, not what I can do. I'm putting trust in your mercy. Let me kind of bring a little bit of this thing to land. How do we kind of, how do we kind of, how does mercy kind of flow to us? How do we allow mercy to flow into our lives? And I've just got a few things I think are vital ingredients if we're to really be people who live and receive and, and live out mercy in our lives. Here's the first thing, and I touched on just now, is that we should be continually thanking him and praising him for his mercy. Amen. Bible speaks about that. Lord, your mercy is new every morning. So that means I have something to thank him for every single morning. Is that right? Because every morning is a new revelation and expression of mercy. So every day I can thank him. Every day I can praise him because every day is a new level and a new revelation and a new release of mercy. Amen? 
I think the second way that we can flow in mercy is repentance. In the prodigal, it was through repentance he experienced the mercy. In other words, really, how can I receive mercy unless uh, unless I realise my need of mercy? Unless I become conscious of, of sin and become conscious of where I failed? I think one of the greatest expressions of mercy is where we feel convicted. And that's not, we don't always say that's an expression of mercy. I think it's a healthy sign when you realise there's things that God wants to deal with in your life. How many would say that's mercy? Because you'd never see it without God, is that right? You'd never be conscious of it, you'd never be aware of it unless God showed you. And out of mercy, he reveals things in us that he wants to deal with and remove from our life. And out of that comes a sense of repentance. And out of repentance is a release of mercy. The mercy of God. The mercy of the Lord. How for how powerful mercy is that when Zacchaeus was up that tree and Jesus encountered him, the Bible says he was so overwhelmed by mercy, he paid back every single person he'd ever cheated or stole from, and he paid them back double. What an encounter. What an he was so encountered by, by mercy, it so transformed him life, it just transformed his life, he just released restitution because it impacted him and touched him. I think we only feel we need that today. Where people so encounter the mercy of God, it brings such a transformation in their life. Everything of their old life, everything of, of, of their attitudes and, and lifestyles just changes. Because they're so grateful, they're so amazed, and so living in such a sense of gratitude because of mercy. Here's the third thing. Make mercy the centre of your life. Matthew 5 is there, right there. We've got the Beatitudes. Right in the middle of the Beatitudes are these words. Blessed are those who give mercy, for they shall obtain mercy. In other words, that we receive mercy so that we give out mercy. We become merciful people. Micah 6 speaks of the things that God requires of us. It says that you will do justice and what? Love, mercy and walk humbly with your God. You love mercy. You love to release mercy. You love to to, to live out a merciful life. Because that's what God requires of us to do. Why don't you turn me to Hebrews 2? Because how do we become merciful people? I just believe that you're never more like God when you show mercy. Never more like God when you show mercy. Because he's merciful and you're never more like God when you show. Verse, chapter 2, verse 17. Therefore all things he had to be made in his brethren in that he might be merciful and faithful high priest in all things pertaining to God and may be and may the propitiation for all the sins of his people. For in that he himself was suffered, being tempted as, as he is. He's able to aid those who are 
tempted. Okay, Hebrews chapter 5, again in verse 2. Who he can have compassion on those who are ignorant and going astray, since he himself also is subject to weakness. There's this sense that Jesus subjected himself to weakness. And because of that, he was able to identify with what you and I are going through. That's what, really what we think about, that the word became flesh. He identifies with your pain, with everything you go through in life. I want you to get a hold of this, because sometimes God will allow you and I to go through trials and difficulties and things in life. Many of those things that God sometimes will allow us to go through are so that we will identify with those that are going through things. Maybe this morning you've, you've known what it is to, to lose a loved one. Know what it is to feel rejected. Know what it is to, 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 to have struggles in life. And part of that is to enable you to identify with those who are going through that. You feel what they're going through. Because you've gone through it yourself. And so you have mercy through those who are going through it. And you can see that. In other words, it's the power of identification. Why is it people lack mercy? Because they lack the, the ability to identify with those who are going through things. Going, people going through things in life. They can't identify with people's pain. They can't identify with people's struggles. They can't feel what other people are feeling. And it's lack of identity that is a result of lack of mercy. When you've been through a financial struggle, is that right? You identify with those who are going through a financial struggle. When you've gone through some sicknesses yourself, you can't identify with those who are going through it. You have mercy because you've encountered it, you've experienced it yourself, and you identify with those who are going through it. Second thing, the second way to feel, I think, to experience mercy is it says in Colossians, I've got time to look at it, it says, Clothe yourself with tender mercy. Now, let's think about how you get dressed in the morning. Have a thought about that? First of all, you put it over your eyes. In other words, you see people, you, you look at, you, you see people, what they're going through. You see some of the stuff they're going through. You use your eyes to see what they're going through. Over their ears, you listen to people's struggles, people's pains, people's... You listen, you hear, you, you listen with your ears. It goes over your mouth. Speak mercy. Speak words of mercy. Speak words in the Scriptures. Speak words of mercy. Speak words of encouragement. Speak words of the, of the Scriptures of mercy. Begin to speak mercy. And as you begin to speak mercy, mercy will become so much part of your life. And then, for the ladies, you kind of, you force to your feet. You, know, you take it off and you kind of force to your feet. In other words, you do acts of mercy. You just do acts. You look for acts of kindness. Mercy grows as you begin to do acts of mercy. You just look for ways and means to be a blessing to somebody else. And you do acts of mercy. And out of the acts of mercy, Mercy will begin to grow. Mercy will begin to develop in your life. I'd say actually, one of the best ways to imitate God is to show mercy. 
People maybe you struggle with. People who really, really get under your skin. Why not this year say, this is going to be my Christmas gift. I'm going to show mercy to the ones I struggle with. I'm going to be a person of mercy. I'm going to let mercy rule and and reign in my heart. Because that's the way God treats you. He doesn't give you what you deserve. He gives you and blesses you out of his what? Mercy. Let me close with this. So we make mercy the centre of our life. We, We look for opportunities to demonstrate mercy. And here's the final thing. Is learning to receive from God. I think the greatest thing that, that people... How do you receive from God? If you're, to, re, if you're to, to get mercy, how do you receive it? How do you receive mercy? And it comes every ever. We've got to learn to be able to receive from God. How many believe God's got unlimited resources? Is that right? The issue is, is not God's resources. The issue is, how do we receive those resources? How do we... Take it from heaven and get it working and moving in our lives. One of the greatest examples I can think of, and I say a lot more about this, is Bartimaeus. Blind Bartimaeus. Remember that story? And the Bible says he's right there, sitting down, right there in that situation. And he, here's the first thing the Bible says, he heard about Jesus. We need to hear about Jesus. Let his words become personal to us. Let what he's done become real and personal in our hearts and our lives. So as we hear about him, it becomes real in us. Because the more you hear about Jesus, the more you receive his promises, the more your heart will be open to receive from him. How can you receive if you don't know what's available? Is that right? So first, the first thing you heard about Jesus... The second thing that we're told, they cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He shouted out. In other words, he shouted out because he believed that Jesus would hear him. And I think we need a confidence in the mercy of God. Those we cry out to his mercy, he will hear us and he will respond to us. There's a cry, there's a depth of thing in our heart that just cries out to him. And because we cry out to him, we have confidence in his mercy that he will hear us and he will respond to us. As the moment he began to do that, people began to tell him to shut up and be quiet. And you'll find that the thing that will stop you receiving from God is when people try to discourage you. They will try to put you off. The enemy will try and put you off. He'll remind you of your failures. He'll remind you of your shortcomings. All with the reason to close off your ability to receive from God. And the fourth thing it is, which we often lose sight of it, the Bible says he threw off his garment. That was a powerful thing. Because blind people in those days, if you were begging, you had a garment to prove that you were genuine. So really that was his livelihood. That represented his livelihood. And, and, and that was the, the way he would obtain finance because of the clothes, because of the garment he had. And when he threw that off, he was actually saying, I'm turning away from my old life. I'm throwing off my old life. And I was thinking often there's things that we need to throw off, off our old life. Things that we need to, to cast away from our old life. That hinder God from working in us. 
We've got to throw all those things off, those things that hinder the things of God in our lives. It could be attitudes. It could be unforgiveness. People that we need to release, people we need to forgive. Areas of compromise. Areas of bitterness. Disappointments. Sometimes if we to, to receive from God, we just got to throw all that stuff off so that we can receive a mighty move of God in our life. Can you say amen? Let me close with this. How many of you have ever heard of John Newton? He's the one who wrote Amazing Grace, that awesome song. Amazing Grace, really, he was a slave trader. Almost one of the, kind of, almost one of the worst things you can do in life. He, he sold human beings. That's what his life was. He was a slave trader. And he had an amazing encounter with God that changed his life forever. And he became a minister of the gospel. How did we experience He wrote the song, Amazing Grace. He, because he had experienced it. He knew the power of it. He knew the reality of what it meant to be in a life of such sin and such deprivation. And the mercy of God so touched his life and transformed him. And he recognised how powerful mercy was. Towards the end of his life, his, his memory had totally faded. He didn't remember names. He didn't remember many things. But he says this on his deathbed. He said this. He says, I remember two things. I am a great sinner and Christ is a great saviour. Let me tell you what was written on his tomb. How many want to hear what was on tombstone? This is what he wrote on his tomb. This is what he gave these words to be written on his tombstone. He said, a servant, he says, one saint infidel and a libertine, a servant of slaves in Africa, was by the rich mercy of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ, preserved, restored and pardoned and appointed to preach the faith he had long laboured to destroy. And that's on his tombstone. You can actually go and read it today. Isn't that awesome? That's how powerful the mercy of God. What happens when mercy turns up? People are healed. People are forgiven. People are restored. People are changed. People are transformed. All that is a result of what? Mercy. The mercy of the Lord endures forever. Let's just come before him right now. I just want to come before the Lord right now and say, God, grant to me a mighty revelation of your mercy. How many need mercy right now for areas of your life? Areas that you can't change. Things that are beyond your ability to really do anything about. But the mercy of the Lord is so awesome and so great. Sometimes we think we've got to do this or that to earn it or deserve it. Sometimes we've just got to open our heart and say, God, I don't deserve this. But I'm coming to your throne and your throne is a throne of what? Mercy. I need, a, I need healing. I, I need restoration. I need, I need you to meet me in that situation. I've not deserved it. I've failed. I've disappointed so many times, God, that I'm crying out for mercy. God, 
please grant me mercy today. I need mercy. I can't get to that situation without mercy. I just need mercy. Maybe you're even here and you've come to an end of yourself and you don't even know what to do, what to turn. How many are glad the mercy of God's available? It's mercy. From beginning to end of your life, there will always be a result of mercy. His mercy endures forever and ever. I think that's wonderful when you just trust in mercy. Depend on mercy. Open your heart and recognize it's all about mercy. So then God can work and touch us. Lord, we just want to thank you today for mercy. Thank you your mercy endures. Thank you your mercy when everything else fails, when everything else kind of runs out. We thank you today, God, that your mercy never fails. Your mercy never runs out today. Your mercy continues. And I pray today, God, give us hearts of mercy. As we've received mercy, Lord, we want to express mercy to others that that need mercy, need someone just to to love on them, someone to encourage them, someone to bless them. I pray, God, give us hearts of mercy. And Lord, give us today a heart that would be open and receptive to receive all the stuff that you want to pour into Thank you for listening to this free download from Delancey Eden Church. For more downloads, information or to contact us, please visit our website at delanceyeden.co.uk.